has been so wild lately. He doesn't seem to listen. He doesn't obey my commands, and we can't even bribe him with trees. He's gotten so out of hand, he may even have to be put down. God is not the problem here. The problem is the people who want to be the leader of the pack. We reintroduce God. We retrain people. You're listening to The God Whisperers. irritating music that means that you're listening to the god whispers i'm craig d'onofrio and i am the sound of one hand clapping that was my one hand clapping right there nice i like that balloon thing (laughs) i think that guy is just genius it's just irritating enough to it, be honest. It is. It is. You know, it fits into the whole the Jesus is a friend of mine, the the uh, the Lawrence Welk theme, you know, uh, Mrs. Miller. Yeah, it's only but the only, the great sadness that I I feel when I ever I hear that is that those two could never get together. The balloon guy and Mrs. Miller. Can you imagine the music they could have produced? Maybe we should go into Man. the garage band studio and see what we could do with that. A little overmix, a little uh, remix. I wonder if there are any overlap pieces that they have that we could mix together. Well, we should see what's in his repertoire. But but I'll tell you, you know, Mrs. Miller and the balloon guy. It's hard to go wrong. We'd we'd be taking music in a whole new direction. That that could even, you know, I think the balloon guy should do the halftime show at the Super Bowl. That would be priceless, actually. Really, I, I think Jimmy Fallon should have him on. You know, he's 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 kind of he's he's very wet bore. <clears throat> Excuse me. Hang on. <coughs> That's a sunflower seed gone the wrong way. Yeah, yeah. Wow. That's not so good. Ooh, that's uh, all right. I'm okay. I'm okay. Uh, I'll recover. Well, here's here's another one that mm. I've been trying to figure out. We we need to use this as theme music for something. It's old school. It's plink plink plunk. But. Uh, it it's one of those plink, songs plink, plunk. that it, it just <laughs> oh yeah that's good it's, that's kind of a pizzicato thing it's just demanding to be used for uh, not for <laughs> mail or anything I don't know I think it could be used for mail it has a certain frenetic quality to it, it does. I think it's, you it's you need of, that on yeah. you need that on your drive time show yeah that would be good you know but. What does that? What does that remind you of? What? What? You know, a lot of like, mu- like Mister Rogers or something. No, Maybe no, Mr. it's too Patrick. energetic. Mister Rogers was 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 much more sort of Prozac-y kind of. He was he was just very mellow. But you know, he had that little piano thing going. But but this is this has energy. Pica- pizzicato. Good old plink plink. That's the only thing I know about a violin. Pizzicato. Pizzicato. Pluck pluck well. pluck 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 plink plink plunk. Plunk. Plink, plink, plunk. Yeah. Now, here's a song that I do use since since it's turning into the music edition. Oh, no, reason. we didn't want to go down that No, not tonight. really. But but this song is so cool, I can't not play it because it, it's my favorite, really. <laughs> Take 
me riding in the car, car. Take me riding in the car, car. Take you riding in my car, car. I'll take you riding in my car. See, how can you go wrong with that? Yeah, that's yeah, that's that's reminiscent of the Chicago School of Folk Music. Right? <laughs> Actually, it is. Uh, what's his name who did This Is My Country? And uh, uh, shoot. <laughs> Paula's at home screaming it right now. Yeah, no, she up. is. Well, yeah. <laughs> you dummy. <laughs> we could we could we could we can look that up but it would cause it would cause it would cause a gap uh it's yeah. it's 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 shameful we we don't uh we don't know that um, I, I it's on the tip of my tongue i can't think of the guy's name well woody he, guthrie woody did, guthrie yeah. that's it I yeah mean, he did steve goodman you know you, you think of these these great the great from the the the, the sort of the, the 60s john goodman. love john goodman <laughs> the 60s folk music guys but um that's fun actually that that reminds me of like my early guitar lessons there you go. You know, with a little bit of little bit of picking there, a little bass lead going on, but uh, that's that's not easy to do actually. Um, there's a there's a choir warm up that goes like that, where you buzz your lips and sing oh, yeah. scales. No, I've I've tried making that sound many a times. Just and just... it 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 makes my nose tickle. I I really that I don't too. I don't I don't maybe it's the mustache with the facial hair, but but I, I really I don't, I don't like the feel of that. Hey, do you want to do some? Um, Housekeeping before we get started here. Oh yeah, housekeeping. The burp. <laughs> I'm coughing. Right you're there. burping. This is the pre-dinner edition of the <laughs> God Whispers, right here, or or pre-lunch or whatever. The the phone number, the yeah. God Whispers hotline, spells Manly Doctors Thirteen, which is six two six five nine three. 7713 Manly Doctors 13. And you can find us on the web, godwhispers.org. I apologize for the lack of creativity on the website, and I think we're one or so episodes behind. Can't tell, but but I, I've 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 just I, I basically just throw the episodes up there. That's all you need. So go listen. <laughs> There's no. It's a, it's a grab bag. It is. It is. It's God Whispers grab bag. And you get what you get. Our listeners know. It's sometimes it's not even what we advertise, but I, I do have actually summary texts, and so I will get them up there as, as soon as I can. But I'm kind of in between trips, and it's just ugly right now. So I'm I'm in, I'm not I'm in a bad place, Craig. I'm in a really bad place. Yeah, yeah. But I've I've lost 13 pounds and probably two inches on the waist. So wow, yeah. fantastic. Yeah, yeah, that's about right because uh, I, I had read six pounds is usually one inch. Yeah, well, I've been kind of brutalizing the midsection, so <laughs> I, I mean, it's not a. It's been it. It hasn't been fun, but it actually hasn't been bad either. You know, now, I mean, how, how long has it taken you to lose thirteen pounds? Uh, let's see. I I I started. Hmm, I I started back. It's about about three weeks. Three to four weeks. Oh, wow, about three, three weeks. You know that first ten comes off. First ten is just water, and and yeah. it, it's just it's it, that's just excess. That that's that's due to your really bad. That's ten pounds of bad habits right, right. there. That you just right. weigh your bad habits. They weigh ten pounds. Uh, you know, you knock off ninety percent of them, and those go away. After you, that, you flush most of that ten pounds. <laughs> right <laughs> after that, though, it starts to get into you know your body kind of like burning alternative fuel at this point. So so right. there there actually is is there are things happening. But um and part of the goal is to burn the fat 
without losing muscle. Well, and that's, that's the that's the thing is is I think you can't just you can't just diet, and I'm I'm rigorously avoiding the elimination kind of diets because I I like food too much. I, I know I'm not going to stick with it if I eliminate. Sure. Certain things, you know, I've got to have the dumpling once in a while, the pasta, the ramen noodles, the the Vietnamese pho. You know, it's it's all part of the plan. But hey. I I just can't I can't do that for lunch three days a week. I've discovered, you know, no. here's the here's my big discovery. Uh, you cannot live like Anthony Bourdain every day of your life. It just it's just not a good idea. I don't think Anthony Bourdain can live like Anthony no Bourdain he every he day doesn't. I saw an article by him and and uh, and and he doesn't. He he says that he uh, doesn't even drink a beer at home. So, wow. you know, I mean, so what you see on TV, don't try to imitate real life kids because it's not good. But uh, wait, you mean I, I I can't be a superhero? No, you can't. So put the cape away. And, and uh, if you want to email us for whatever reasons. And, and Craig, could you um, cue up that pizzicato music? Oh, yes, I, 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 I think I think yeah. I have an application for it coming up. Is, so is this, is just this get, the time that you would like? Well, no, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know. But, right. but have, right. have it ready, okay? It is ready. Um, but uh, if you want to reach us by email, it's a very good way to get your, your thoughts on the show, if you wish. Uh, Godwhispers at gmail.com. And I suggest we go to the mailbag. <laughs> We have a sponsor. Oh yeah, the sponsor, the GW Mailbag, brought to you by some sort of protein powder that Bill won't drink. Oh no, no, I don't drink. I, I, I mean, I will uh, put tofu in a smoothie. That's pretty much the same thing. It, it kind of is. It's just a big glob of soy protein and, and whatnot. <laughs> but I'm not real. I'm not real huge on smoothies, but I did buy a Vitamix. Oh, we have one of them. Oh, those that that is a that is just a beast of a blender. I'm yes. telling you, you the now I, you probably did never did this, but a uh, word of advice: don't just throw that high switch on. <laughs> it's it's kind of it, it's kind of the equivalent of like throwing your car into fifth gear and skipping <laughs> right, and right. skipping all you the other. Ramp up a little bit. Yeah, you that that. But that's what I like about that variable knob. But could you cue the uh, pizzicato for me here? Um, we have one. We have one email. Yeah, that's about right. This is from Jim. Hey. I had visited your site, godwhispers.org, and I was very impressed. I think think it would fit my clients' demands perfectly. Let me clarify. My name is Jim. And I'm easily easily impressed. And I'm an advertising representative. My job Ah. is to find sites like yours, which are willing to sell advertising space to my clients. So if you're interested in hearing more about it, I would be more than happy to hear back from you. <laughs> Kindest regards, Jim. Business development. I won't say from where. I'm. I'm sure that he's. One do you of think this one fan? Do you think this kind of got through the spam filter? I think so. <laughs> no, he's no? a sincere God Whispers listener. I you, you think he's going to help us monetize the GW site? Of course. Ooh, I'll talk to him. <laughs> and there, here, you have little faith. Here's here's another one. You'll like this one. Uh, this is from I don't know who. Uh, it's it, and basically it's one message and a link I am not going to click on. <laughs> the message is simply sup. S U P sup. I think that's like short, short for what's up. Sup. Yeah. 
Yeah, so that's the level of the uh, mailbag. Uh, wow! Today, so that's that's where we've that, we've descended. We, we've nothing, gone that nothing really to. Talk all the about, smart so. people are are emailing um, Fisk over at Worldview Everlasting. <laughs> so, <laughs> so really, uh, it, there's. There's that's it, Craig. Trying to sell sunglasses. There's some guy that wants to monetize our website, and some guy that says "sup" and gives me a uh, a link that I'm not going to click on because I've already got one down computer, and I don't need a second one. I'm going to think that "sup" is probably selling you some sort of vapor cigarette or porn. <laughs> well, it's it's sure. it's at Dream Today Rea- Reality Tomorrow dot com. Yeah, see, it's oh. not. It's not going well. It's not going well. Dream today, reality. <laughs> hmm. So, uh, do you want to look at the um, oh, religion in the news? Music. Sure, yeah. I like religion in the news. We, it, we don't have a yeah, religion. Wait, wait, wait. I got one here. I've got, I got one for you. A oh. little religion in the news? Is that? Yeah. D.C. rabbi accused of spying on naked women. It's a beautiful day. <laughs> it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. <laughs> Police arrested Rabbi Barry Freundel, 62, on Tuesday. Good old bear. At his Georgetown home, uh, not far from the synagogue he's led since 1980. They charged him with voyeurism and indicated he'd spied on women through a camera pointed at the shower used before dipping into the synagogue's mikvah or ritual bath. Barry, Barry, Barry. What in the world is he thinking? The news shocked Jews and beyond Washington, in and beyond Washington, making front-page headlines in Jewish newspapers across the nation. Yeah. Uh, (sighs) Quoting quoting Carrie Bornstein, executive director of Ma'im Ha'im, a mikvah near Boston that has spearheaded a national movement to encourage Jews of varying levels, Religious observance to use mikvah. She said she'd never heard of such an incident happening at a mikvah before. The mikvah should be the epitome of a safe place, she says. So, pretty pathetic. Goes on to say married women in Orthodox Judaism ritually immerse themselves in a mikvah, a small pool of water, seven days after their menstrual period was has yes. ended yes that's a, that that was that was the Bathsheba incident with Bathsheba on the roof and David spying see David was doing a a Rabbi Barry Freundel thing he was spying <laughs> spying on on Jewish women doing their mikvah and see where that got him all right should know Oh man! The ritual bats also use that. The ritual bats also use that life cycle events from graduations to divorces to adoptions to conversions. Also, uh, marriages uh, before before weddings it leads me to wonder. Uh, just a little bit of uh, speculation between the lines in uh, the wedding at Cana in John's Gospel. Okay. Uh, one hundred and eighty gallons of of water, six water jugs of uh, the. Uh, uh, of 30 gallons a piece or so, it says, about 180 gallons. Could that have been the bride's mikvah? Hmm. Uh, we, we ordinarily think it was for the guests to wash their hands and, and, and you know, the, the sort of the ceremonial feasting thing, which is probably, probably correct. But, uh, you know, part of me thinks, what, what, if, what if that was the bride's mikvah? Now it's all been changed into wine. What's she going to do? So and you, you a wine Mother, bath. You know what Mother Mary said about that? I love it when a plan comes together. 
<laughs> Rabbi Freundel's arrest was the second bombshell to hit the D.C. Jewish community in a little more than a week. Uh, on October 6th, Rabbi Gil Steinloff, senior rabbi at the city's largest conservative synagogue, stunned his congregants by announcing that he's gay and that he and his wife, who is also a rabbi, plan to divorce. And it Could, just Couldn't they just getting... remain friends and co-rabbis? You know, I don't know. Uh, as always, Kesher Israel will remain open as a place of learning, prayer, and community. Oh, sorry, I'm getting out of control here. Yeah, loud noises is right. So uh, we've got a we've got a peeping tom rabbi here who's got a camera set up in the um, the where, where, where the mikvah. Hey guys, uh, the mikvah what room. In the world is going on with this stinking computer here. I, I love I love what's going on on the other side. So <laughs> I go to turn up the brightness, and all of a sudden it cues something, reminding me of in the early church of the baptismal practice of you know one was baptized naked, and yes. uh, even without jewelry, that 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 naked as naked as naked could be, and. Uh, and so, of course, the women were baptized by female assistants, got ostensibly deaconesses, uh, whose job it was to administer baptism. And then the whole bunch was brought together, clothed in white robes and anointed with oil by the bishop, kind of um, sealing the baptism or confirming the baptism, hence the practice of confirmation. But it all stems from the fact that baptisms were done apart from the congregation in the nude. As it was yes. a rebirth. Now, I've heard stories about how women were baptized, uh, even though the church did it in the nude, that there was like a screen set up or something like that. Yeah, there's some some kind of some kind of visual barrier. I, I depending on who you consult on this, there seems to be some indication that the 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 priest slash bishop slash presbyter, whatever you want to call them, actually said the words from behind a screen, uh, but they were assisted by female assistants. Um, you know, modesty was a big thing, sure. and, and 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 should still be today, but it it isn't <laughs> to nearly the extent it was in the ancient world. But, Not uh, so much. I mean, sometimes when, I see girls walking around wearing stuff, and I think, you know, if this was like 150 years ago, oh gosh, yeah, even 100 years ago, yeah, yeah, early 20th century, like 60 or 70 years ago, yeah. People would be freaked out. Yeah, I mean, it, it all half naked. It, it all it all sort of came to an end with the uh, itsy bitsy teeny weeny yellow polka dot bikini. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, the bikini uh, created quite a stir when it when it came out in the in the modesty oh, yeah. circles. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, when you read in Paul in Paul's letters or, or Peter's letters where they talk about women not braiding their hair or or wearing. Uh, pearls and and what i mean their sense of modesty goes way way beyond ours as well or women women covering their heads uh or at least married women covering their heads what is it not faces just heads right what is it about middle eastern culture and hair yeah they they have a thing sort of weird hair fetish they have they have a thing that's true i mean it's it's not seemly for a woman to let down her hair in public so uh, so, you know, they'll have it sort of bundled up and under a scarf or under some kind of head covering. Once they enter the threshold of their own home, that's another story entirely. But uh, well, didn't we used to have that, though? I mean, wasn't that kind of the scene in the movie where, you know, things are going to get amorous and she kind of, like, lets her hair down and that sort of thing? We, I mean, that used to be kind of a, a signal of whoopee or something of that nature, wasn't it? 
Kukukuchu, Mrs. Robinson. Here, uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that would. Yes. Yes, Mrs. Robinson. <laughs> the Graduate. What a great movie. One of Dustin Hoffman. Well, it's his, his premier movie. But, uh, right. Hey, here's another article uh, ran across. Is the Internet oh. killing Christianity? Uh, this is on pathos.com. Uh, Always a great place to check out for strange things. Is the it Internet is, killing Christianity? There. Yeah, there are. There's a big, big atheist blog and, and things there. But... Um, so the the question here is basically um uh churches are are declining in attendance and uh, people are seeing less and less need for this gathering together as a congregation because you can gather virtually you know a Facebook group or any kind of thing you have that sort of gathering here and and uh, it's the the speculation is does this then make church and ministry obsolete is it is it no longer needed it, it's kind of difficult to figure that one out as far as the way that this is set up because honestly we live in a culture that is biblically illiterate so if you tell them and and not just that but people have their their ideas about things that are usually just really ridiculous. So if you tell them the Bible tells us not to forsake the gathering of ourselves together and that we are to gather together around word and sacrament, they just say, well, that's your opinion. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I think one of the things, you know, it's kind of think of the Gutenberg printing press and what a radical shift that was culturally. Uh, to make books available to the common man, sure, really. Yeah. Because prior to that, it was manuscripts, hand-copied manuscripts. It was basic. That was one of the basic jobs in the monastery was to 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 copy stuff. And uh, and so now you had movable type. You could typeset things. You could run them. Uh, in in many ways, the the printing press made the Reformation possible. Uh, you remember Luther's 95 Theses. No sooner did he nail them up on the door, they were taken down from the door, translated into German, and disseminated all over German lands by the printing press. It became kind of a tractate that was going around. Sure. And all he wanted to do was post some things for academic discussion. <laughs> uh, but but that's the... argue with the boys. Yeah, well, and, and Luther himself used the printing press to great effect. I mean, he wrote a lot of uh, pieces that were intended for, for wide distribution. But it also created a kind of a Protestantism that everybody now had uh, their own text, you know, they had their own Bible. So previously, if you wanted to hear the Word of God, you had to come to church to hear the Bible read and preached on, but now you had the Bible translated into your language and, and printed, so you could... you. You didn't have to go to the church to hear the word of God. So I think that's already kind of asking that question, so then why? Uh, but now even more so, I, I think. You, know, you think about all the sermons that are online, uh, all the discussions that, that are there, the information that flows. And, and so this article asked that question is really why go to church in an age of information where it's always, you know, it's all there all the time for you. I, I think that this is one of those scenarios where it, it can be asked of many different things beyond church. Do you really need a doctor anymore? You, you have WebMD. Well, even more so, I Google's you commercials. Did you see you, a thing you where need this drug? Do you see a thing where Google's got a, a kind of a for it's it's initially free, but it's going to be for a fee where you can consult a doctor online. 
Oh yeah, yeah, that's been in the works for quite a while. Yeah, I I just saw a thing this morning when I was reading, uh, just kind of look, looking over stuff on the internet. I don't get the newspaper anymore. I just kind of read stuff on the internet and all the news aggregators. But they've got this thing now where instead of going to your doctor, you just get some medical advice. Yeah, who knows who's on the other end? <laughs> but uh, you know, you you get some sort of medical advice and perhaps more. I don't know prescription. Can they do that over over the internet? I know there are some medications that the doctor has to actually see you in order to prescribe them for you. I, I think of you kind of controlled meds like Xanax or something like that. So that would be kind of like uh, practicing. That, that, yeah, I don't think I can't see where a doctor ethically could do that. It, it, you know, well, diagnose you know and prescribe. To a person you are not actually looking at, uh, the, the, the iPhone's getting more sophisticated. Maybe you just plug it into a jack in your brain. And <laughs> yeah, right. Like, it, yeah, it's it's like that. It's like that thing on your car. You know that the, there's that 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 plug thing where they just plug the computer in at the at the dealer, and it downloads just oodles of information, like you know what you had for dinner last night and uh, where where you drove uh, two days ago. But it, you know, it's all the whole condition of the car is available. We're, we're over time. We need to take a break. This could become a new theme song for us. It's pretty good. We'll be back. Take you riding in my car. Carl, take you riding in my car. Click, clack, open up a door, girls. Click, clack, open up a door, boys. Front door, back door. Click, a dick, clack, take you riding in my car. Welcome back to the God Whispers, disturbing yet compelling Christian radio. We haven't said that in a while, have we? Disturbing yet compelling. Yeah, we need we need to bring that one back. Yeah, we got to protect our trademark, though. You don't want to lose your mark. <laughs> disturbing yet compelling Christian radio. I'm Craig D'Onofrio. I'm Bill Swirla with the Gong. So, Craig, has the inter- is the internet killing Christianity? Uh, I believe that. Christianity, you, you know, I was thinking about this earlier, Bill. Do you think that this could be the little the little season that Satan has been let loose? Because <laughs> there, there's gotta all wonder. sorts of weirdness going on out there, and the church, you know, I, I fear that there's going to be a uh, winnowing here. You know, there's going to be a thinning of the herd. And uh, oh, so, definitely. I, I mean, I, I think that uh, the internet is a culprit in this. But I don't know if it's the culprit. Yeah, you know, it, it's a tool. It's like everything else. But I, I think it really is as as much of a seismic shift in culture, maybe even more so than the the printing press was in the the um, you know in Luther's day. And I, I don't think we fully realized yet the the effect. I I, I do think that the decline in church attendance and in church interest is in part due to 
um, all the religious stuff on the Internet for a number of reasons. As this article says, you can download a slew of podcasts like The God Whispers, thousands of e-books, hundreds upon hundreds of blogs with a focus on theology. Uh, you can listen to sermons online, read them online, watch them online, and you don't have to get off your couch. You just sip your coffee, you can sit in your bathrobe, and you really don't have to deal with service times and hymn books and cranky kids and the whole thing that goes with church. So uh, I, I see that as a, a, a very attractive thing for people who want to maintain some sort of spiritual identity or life without dealing with the messiness of a congregation. You hear stories about some crazy pastors on TV saying, now hold your bread and your grape juice up to the screen. Oh, that was Gene Scott. And Gene Scott did that. Did he actually do that? Yeah, I saw it. I saw. I I, I I actually saw it. Yeah, he what well, he was kind of off the rails, but but fun. I had a little more respect for Gene but, than that. But, I mean, but aside from fun. the aliens he, and the pyramids. And yeah, stuff. no, he was he was. I, I enjoyed. I he was great entertainment, and and I loved that he got kicked off of evangelical TV, so he just <laughs> started his own station. But uh, when, yeah, he, when he was on though. He, that guy could get the gospel down pretty pretty. Sometimes, you know, when he was in Romans, he was really good. I, I saw him do a series on Romans, and he, he was just just bang on. Yeah. Uh, but you know, in this article, it seems like the the, the main thing here um, is information. The church is a source of religious information, and the ministry and the priesthood and the hierarchy being a sort of a gatekeeper of the flow of information. So, so they see the internet thing as a or this author does they see he sees it as a a, a shift in authority uh, so that it's it's much more egalitarian much more protestant much more everybody on his own uh every you know just like you talked about the bible you know the the now, now that the bible's in everybody's lap everybody's got an opinion about what it says and 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 pastors have had to deal with that. That's that's yep. a shift in Christianity. Christianity lived for what fifteen hundred years without a Bi- without Bibles in everybody's hands, and uh, now the, you know everybody's got a Bible or two or or more. What what do you think about the idea of not having the scriptures printed out in church like we do in the bulletin or worship folder, but rather just just stand there and listen to the pastor read the word of God to you? Well, I, I like the idea of of the the spoken word. I, I think that's something that is missed in a print culture. But see, yeah. that was already once you make the once you make the text available to everybody and it's easy to get. Um, that's also one of the cultural shifts from an, a predominantly oral culture that hears things and remembers them to a print culture that reads things and remembers them. So, uh, and we are still that for all the internet stuff, we're still print. You're reading, you know, you got your Kindle or you're reading blogs or you're, you're, you're mostly doing a lot of reading on, on uh, the computer, on the Internet. So it's still a print culture. Uh, curiously, the, the Bible's culture, uh, Old and New Testament, is oral. Right. And so, so what we have is the written record of what was spoken. As Peter says, holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So we have the, the written record of what was said and, well, and, and, that's and handed kind of my down. Point. Uh, my my point on this is that the Bible was intended, the scriptures were intended to be read. That's the way that Jesus worshipped. You know, they they they'd have the rabbi read the scriptures. Of course, they couldn't afford to photocopy anything because that was really expensive back then. But 
<laughs> but really, I, I, you know, the the word of God, he who hears and believes. I'm not saying that. Well, that, faith, faith comes not, by hearing, you know, right. and, and so. I'm not saying that reading is not efficacious for salvation. That's that's fine. But Well, the, the old rabbis used to say that you hadn't fulfilled your obligation to read Torah if you read it silently. Hmm. Um, Augustine was freaked out when he saw his bishop Ambrose reading silently because the ancients thought there was something something creepy about it, <laughs> demonic or what. You know, and you kind of get their point. There's like this this narrator voice in your head, you know, whose voice is that? Uh, and, and where does it come from? Uh, well, actually, part of the thing with Ambrose is, from, from what I understand from my history classes in seminary, was that uh, people were amazed that he could read without moving his lips? Yeah, and, and that's because back then there weren't breaks between words. There weren't. There wasn't punctuation. It was just a big line of letters, and he kind of had to sound it out to know where the word began and ended. Well, more than that, uh, and I see that that alone that that practice of running running letters together and that that alone tells you it's an oral culture right. where the written word serves the oral word. Uh, and so you know, you think it's it's kind of cool to think about the gospels that we have. They they were written down, kind of as mnemonic aids, really, uh, so that so that the preacher would tell the Jesus narratives, the the words, the works of Jesus, um, and and but the written word served the oral word, the preached word. Uh, whereas in our day, uh, we tend to you know, what do we say? We say get it in writing. Right. Uh, the the written word has ascendancy. Uh, uh, they they would have said back back in St. Paul's day that uh, it was far better to have the the man himself than a letter supposedly coming from the man. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and, well, and and this Sunday is Reformation Sunday also that we're we're doing here, and you know this was, I think was a big part of Martin Luther's life putting the word of God into the language of the German people. And, and kind of creating the German language at the same time. Yeah, he but, had to he had to stitch together a language from a bunch of regional dialects. Right, and and it's, it's fascinating actually to read Luther's German because it's not like the German. If you ever study German in high school or college, it's not like that German at all. It's actually simpler, and and it's it's kind of German in its 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 formative stages. But yeah, the whole idea is if the word is going to be heard and comprehended and believed, it has to be understood. And and so uh, Luther's endeavor, his task to translate uh, the Old and New Testament, and I believe he also translated the Apocrypha yeah. into into German, so that the German people could hear the word of God in their own language. And he wasn't the first to do that. Tyndale no. was uh, translated the Bible into English. He he was pretty near the first one to not get burned at the stake for it. <laughs> Tyndale did. Uh, uh, right. the, yeah, no, that, that's kind of a dangerous thing. But Luther was already an outlaw. So what do you have sure. to lose? He'd been excommunicated. Yeah, you know, he's the enemy of the Pope. And so what are you going to do? Burn me twice? <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, if you look at the church as a source of information, if you, if you look at it as kind of a, a conduit of divine knowledge, then you can see where this author is going is so now... Uh, you can go directly. You don't have to deal with the the intermediaries. You don't have to deal with a priesthood and and that's kind of, that kind of thing. But th- that's a decidedly unsacramental way of looking at the church. Yeah, well, I'm thinking that a lot of a lot of churches don't know what a sermon is. 
It's a Bible study. A lot of a pre- a lot of preachers don't know what a sermon that, is. Well, that's that's why the church doesn't know, right? So, so they haven't heard Bible one study. in a long time. It's a Bible study from the pulpit, and not a proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ that actually does what it says. Yeah, it's a, it's addressing the sinner in his sin, and it is a it is a a, a word that justifies him. You know, it, it it Paul's not kidding when he says faith comes by hearing. Uh, and hearing hearing the the message or the preaching of Christ, uh, and that's the purpose of the sermon. The purpose of the sermon is not first and foremost to explain the Bible to you or to impart Bible knowledge, but to apply uh, the scriptures to you in your here and now. Because uh, when we're reading the Bible, we're actually overhearing a conversation with somebody else. You know, think of like the Ten Commandments. Uh, Ten Commandments begin, I, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. And you're thinking, wait a minute, you didn't bring me out of Egypt. In fact, I'm not even Jewish. You didn't bring any of my forefathers out of <laughs> Egypt either. Uh, and, and so what does this have to do with me? Uh, but what the sermon does is it takes that and makes you the object of the pre- of, of the word. So, so now it's the for you. It's right. you are the man under the law, the accusation of the law, and Christ died for you. Uh, and I always take that you singular, not not you all, but right. you. Every 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 hearer is to hear that as God addressing them and hearing them. Uh, and so so yeah, yeah, one good definition of the sermon is that it's the word of God for the hearers here and now. Well, and and that takes me along to a couple of other thoughts. One is. I often think that in the confession and absolution, we shouldn't be saying we so much, but we should be saying I a lot more. Yeah. It, it, uh, well, in, it, we have two forms of, of corporate. Uh, the, the one that comes out of the TLH tradition is I. Right. Uh, I, a poor, miserable sinner, confessing you, sin, uh, you know, all the sins and iniquities with which I have ever offended you. Uh, the other one that comes out of the LW, LBW tradition is we. Right, and, and I and think the we the we makes makes it so that you can look around and say, we have we haven't loved our neighbor, we haven't loved God, and and you can kind of take this as a corporate thing. It's like, oh yeah, that guy over there doesn't love his neighbor, and that guy over there doesn't lo- love God. Yeah. And so you know, corporately, I guess we're all together combined. We're guilty of this instead of individually, which is okay. I I think they're both true. There's there's a sense in which uh, we collectively, as humanity, are like that. Franzen and him were one huge sinful man, you know. And and there's no there are no specifics in corporate confession. We've sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we've done, what we've left undone. There's not a lot going on that's that's particular to me or to you. And so we can actually say that all together. We can collectively say this as as a, as a body, you know. And that's the thing I think that this article is 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 the issue that it's skirting is is that the church is a body, uh, and what's happening in this age of information and just raw data is that we're getting kind of a gnostic church. We're getting a, a we're getting a a virtual instead of a real church. Um, you'll know we've gone off the deep end with this when you could when you can have virtual AA. Now somebody's going to point out that it already exists, I'm sure. I haven't checked it out. But but you know, can you have a meeting like an AA meeting, the accountability, the face-to-face raw accountability over the internet? I think you could if you were on Skype or something like that. Ah, okay, but but see, Skype kind of skirts the point. But is is there? 
I, I, I don't know how to say it, uh, but is there a transference of God's grace in AA? That, that, or is it something? I mean, I, I no, think no, that, that you that, can but, do therapy on on the phone. Can you? Can you though? See, that's I, I. I'm just I'm going by analogy. No, they're different, and I understand that. But but there's something about the corporate face to face flesh and blood community, the koinonia that occurs in like an AA meeting that that can't be realized over the internet. It's like Facebook friendships are different than actual friendships. They are. <laughs> yes, Craig, they are. Ah, shoot. Uh, Cuz I'm really cool on Facebook. But I but you know, I think it's going to I think it's going to force it, it, this is this is ultimately a good thing. You 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 came back and said you know we're kind of in the sorting season. I think it's really going to force churches to to think about what does it mean to be a congregation. You know, is it is it just about going and extracting some religious information and singing a few songs together, or is there some notion of body of Christ? Some some you know, and certainly communion is one of them. You you pointed out. You you can't be holding bread and wine up to the 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 the, the monitor here. Well, you could, but I don't know if it'd do anything. Uh, yeah, you're you. kidding yourself. Is, is what you're what you're <laughs> well, doing? With. You know, and and this goes to something else that's kind of interesting to me is a lot of churches want to be on the cutting edge of technology, and and I appreciate that, and they videotape their services and all that, and that's great. But then when you get into the live streaming. I fear that you're telling the parishioners that you don't really need to be here in a roundabout way. I think that's the message that might be perceived by people. I don't know. Yeah. I think I think the uh it just just as the church had to adapt and indeed I I think benefited from the uh the printing press. I I think the church is is going to have to adapt and can potentially benefit from the free flow of information on the internet. Uh, I, I think, you know, you're, in many ways you're more accountable. People are going to be asking much more difficult questions. They're going to be checking on your facts a lot more. That's well, not yeah, a there's bad, a record. it's not a bad thing actually uh, for that kind of thing. There's a flip side. I know a lot of people who have come into the church precisely through the internet. Sure. That, that it's 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 been it's it's been a way to reach out to people who are otherwise very difficult, if not impossible, to contact. We hear stories about people who listen to this program and have there there have actually been telling them about Christ. There have been baptisms, children brought to baptism, uh, yeah, just because they listen to this goofball show. But I, shouldn't we get paid for this? No, I I, I nah. think we should be punished for what we're and and we, we probably will be. But. Yeah, have our paychecks docked. For doing this. I, I also think that this is not something that the article touches on, but I do think, and we're in part guilty of this too, although we're part in part a satire of it, is that I think a lot of the, the blogs, the podcasts, all the stuff, Facebook, religious stuff, um, has created a lot of religious chatter, noise, white noise. Mm, yeah. To the point where it might actually dull the hearing of people. Information overload. Yeah, it's it's what what uh, uh, somebody I know calls big data. You know, in science, they're farming big data now, so they can suck in huge quantities of data. They don't know what it means, but they can collect it and store it and fiddle with it. And we're into big information 
Um, so yeah, think about all the stuff that, that you read about. Like we, we just kind of sample the waters for the goofy stuff in religion, but the internet just kind of propagates this left and right. I, I've never seen such attacks on Christmas, Christmas celebrations, the, the Hebrew roots movement, the pagan roots people. I mean, these are all like marginal ideas that on the internet all appear to be equally important. Well, and I tell you something else. It gives pastors a black eye more often than not. You see on Facebook, pastors of our own denomination saying some ridiculous things, and then there's a big brouhaha, and then a fight, and and everything else. And a lot of times, I think if pastors would kind of check what they say at the door and keep it in house with other pastors, uh, that that would be good. But to bring this out in front of parishioners who don't know much or who are very impressionable. You know, a lot of times I think that we give ourselves a black eye in the church by our behavior on the Internet. I think uh, we haven't worked out the rules. There's no there's no Emily Post for right. for the virtual the virtual world. Uh, I, I, I don't think it's a good medium for really um, informed discussion. Again, there's uh, there's a certain anonymity, and so people can snipe and snark kind of at will, and you don't really see the effect that you have. The other thing is that everything is flat. It's all of the same importance. And so you have good ideas, bad ideas, goofball ideas, um, all out there with the same with the same level the same weight which in the actual world is not true marginal ideas are usually marginal right right hey we only have about 5 minutes left <laughs> you want to get into that that other article about uh, what's going on in rome oh okay yeah we we were going to do the third commandment but we'll just kind of uh, yeah what's going on in rome well we saw it coming uh, the pope on a on a uh, plane trip indicated as such but but he's he's he and the bishops are kind of it seems shifting the the attitude the way they're approaching the as they put it the lgbt community, the lesbian, bisexual, gay, bisexual, transgender uh, community. And, and this is causing a lot of co- conversation. The, the, the one here uh, that I'm looking at from Pathios entitled The Good and Bad in the Vatican's New LGBT Statement. Uh, clearly, the, the good from this perspective is that they're not going to be picking on gays anymore. The bad uh, being that they're not affirming uh, you know, gay marriage and things yeah, like that. This is kind of a lefty website. Well, yeah. And at least this author is. Um, so, uh, you know, I don't know what to make of that. We had a very interesting conversation in our, our Winkle, our, our pastor's conference this this month on this on this very topic. And, and some seem to think that this was a caving into the culture. Uh, whereas I seem, I, my tact is is I think I'm sensing that that Pope Francis is asking for a more pastoral approach to this, hmm. um, and and that in in the past it's just simply been uh, you know hey you're you're gay you're going to hell, 
or you know you're, you're gay, you can't be saved. And you know, unless you straighten yourself out and aren't gay anymore, then there's no repentance, there's no hope, there's no nothing. And uh, yeah, this is not the this is not the gospel. I, I, I've said it over and over again that you can't call for repentance if there's nothing to repent to. Uh, right. Repentance isn't simply turning from; it's also a turning to. And if that to isn't Christ who is the savior of sinners, of whom I am chief, then uh, there's not going to be any repentance. I, and look, I think that our church body has failed miserably when it comes to reaching out to people of, of uh, homosexual orientation. I, I think that we need to find a way to reach out to these people and love them, but not affirm their sin to to assert, uh, affirm Christ's grace for them, but to say this is a sin. But also, we need to keep in mind it's just another flavor of the same sins that we're guilty of. It, it's just a different flavor. Uh, you know, I, my sins are not homosexual, but uh, you know, you put me in front of a large pizza, I'll be become a <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is right? which is it's it's another variant on the theme of idolatry. Um, right. you know, in fact, in in a in another day, that was considered a mortal sin. Yeah, and Gluttony. that doesn't make that doesn't make my sin <laughs> that, that excusable. Won't, that, that won't fly in twenty first century America. From everything I see around me, gluttony is is almost a virtue, as, as is coveting and a few other things. Uh, the formerly well, called mortal sins, but but uh, look, if God allows Walmart to exist at midnight. He owes an apology to Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> well, you know, and I, I think also as this 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 um, this article points out, that there there I think it's healthy to take a second look at some of what they call the clobber passages from the Bible, the ones that we routinely trundle out as as being you know the big anti-gay passages. Sure, we've got about a minute and a half left, there. and and I think that needs to be rethought for this reason. Um, one is I, I think the church is in a, a very visible position on this to uh, make intelligent statements that accurately uh, represent the scriptures uh, and properly distinguish the law and the gospel and 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 I think this this whole this whole area of the the pastoral uh, care ministry to uh, those who are who identified themselves as homosexual the, to the, you know, that is, is I think a real test of our law gospel chops to see, to see how well we do it. They're kind of like the canary in the mine shaft, if you will, you know, um, it, I think if you get it right there, you'll get it right everywhere. Mm. Uh, but, but, you know, I, I agree. We, uh, some church bodies just go off the antinomian ditch and say, Hey, you know, we're all God, God is love. He loves everybody. It's, you know, it's cool. It doesn't matter. Uh, and then there are others who basically say, Hey, you know, if, if, if you're gay, there's no hope of salvation and, and you, you need to, you need to, you know, turn around in the sense of you need to straighten up. And, uh, and, and I, I think, what the Pope's calling for is a much more pastoral conversation with people. And if that's the case, then I think it's a good thing. We're out. Thanks for listening to God Whispers. We'll catch you next time.